Hello everyone and welcome back to our 17th episode of the World of Heritage. My name is Stephanie and we are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the Brandenburg Technical University. We started this podcast as our study project for this semester's Queering the Narratives course organized by our lecturer, Mrs. Caitlin Williams. In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU Heritage community and today we are excited to get to know Shalil Joshi a little bit more. Thank you, Nilifer and Stephanie, for having me. Shalil is from Kahmatu in Nepal. He has studied architecture for his bachelor's degree at the Kevopa Engineering College in Nepal. After his graduation, he worked as an architect in two companies in the field of architecture and innovative design. He had some volunteering experiences in the European Heritage Volunteers, for example, in 2020. And at the moment, he's finishing his third semester at the BTU, the Brandenburg Technical University, a master program of World Heritage Studies. Hi, Shalil. Welcome and thanks for joining us for today's talk. How are you? I'm good. Thanks again for inviting me. All right, let's begin then. Why did you decide to study architecture in Nepal for your bachelor? The obvious answer is that uh, I always had this passion of designing and building things since I was a kid. And by the time I reached an age of choosing my profession, the scope of architecture had expanded drastically. I mean, not just in Nepal, but globally. So when I started working uh, as an architect, it was really easy to find a job that I really like. And I was getting paid for the work I love to do. Apart from that, the professional affection towards architecture, I also wanted to bring awareness to the housing and heritage conservation sector of my hometown. And speaking of heritage and conservation of architecture of Kathmandu Valley, uh, most of the older settlements of Kathmandu was constructed during the Middle Ages. And while designing the city, the planners and architects of that time considered everything like uh, condition of soil, climatic condition, pathway of the sun, wind direction, intangible cultural heritage of local population and the possibilities of natural diseases like uh, flood and earthquake because Nepal lies in high risk zone. We had these public spaces, traditional rest houses for travelers, low story houses in residential zones and artificial lakes and rivers, which uh, would prevent flood during monsoon season by absorbing water into the ground. I mean, yeah, that was Kathmandu Valley 500 years ago from now. And it stayed like that for a long period of time. I mean, it hadn't changed that much even until the time when I was a kid. And now due to this uh, unmanaged urbanization, uh, most of the older settlements are being destroyed by the newer ones. I mean, you have this huge concrete building where there used to be a 15th century public square. I mean, that's, that's really, really sad. Not only that building, but the entire city looks disturbing now. And most of the structurally vulnerable structures are in the residential zones in the earthquake area. And it's not just public spaces or artificial lakes initially made to hold back the floodwaters, which were also part of our cultural heritage. Now it's occupied by tall buildings and narrow roads. What I want to say is that the destruction of cultural property in that scale would be unimaginable here in Europe or anywhere else. I'm not saying that new constructions should be completely stopped as population growth settlement will expand, but there's a right place and proper technique to construct these buildings. And my degree and experience in the field of architecture has provided me the knowledge of the past 
about the importance and significance of heritage sites, as well as the technical skills to convince my potential clients to how, where, and why to construct these buildings in a certain proper manner. Shalil, after graduation, you work in two different companies in Nepal. How was your experience working as an architect there? And what was the focus of your design projects you work on? Uh, yeah, uh, I was involved in a wide uh, variety of design projects. Many of them were individual projects like private residence, interior designs, and commercial buildings. And yeah, some of them were teamwork projects like schools, stadiums, hospitals, and real estate development. But I have to say that my personal experience with those two uh, architectural firms were completely different from each other. My first office gave uh, complete priority to clients' demands. And again, the fact is that clients necessarily might not understand the importance of heritage sites and sustainable architecture, and they are not professionals. So usually I ended up designing a building that fulfilled the client's personal needs, uh, but not the building that's good for the environment or the place that blended within the cultural landscape of that location. I know that if uh, you own an architectural firm, you have this desire to make your clients happy because that would be profitable. But I also think that it's time that we have this moral obligation towards the development of the society and conservation of the planet. And my second office gave me that opportunity to apply my thoughts on my designs. I mean, that office focused on sustainable design, green architecture, and traditional facade conservation first, and the demands of the clients later. Uh, maybe it was possible because my second office had this massive amount of capital to spend, and it also owned vast area of real estate properties. So it could really take that risk to educate the clients and even say no to the clients and give priority to sustainable city development. And the CEO of my second office, talking about him, he is an architect too and a real estate developer who gives priority to sustainable architecture and heritage conservation. I mean, yeah, that's the kind of person I really look up to and a kind of person I want to be in the future. Yeah, so that was my overall experience from my second office. So coming to Nepal, the country where you're from, there is a lot of culture and nature, right? What must-sees and must-dos would you recommend travelers visiting the country? Uh, yes, uh, I'd like to uh, say that if you love cultural heritage, you should come to Kathmandu Valley and take, just take a walk around the streets. Fortunately, we still have these heritage sites and parts of these medieval settlements which are still well-preserved. And out of nine cultural heritage sites in Nepal, eight of them are in Kathmandu Valley. I think that's the reason that the entire valley is enlisted on the World Heritage List by UNESCO. But I would also recommend to visit lesser known villages and cities in Nepal, which is yet to explore and enjoy the unique kind of cultures, which is completely different from the mainstream popular culture and heritage sites in Kathmandu Valley. And I have to say that I've always been extremely fascinated by the diversity of Nepal. I'm not saying this because I'm from, I'm a Nepali, but I genuinely like the culture of that place. I mean, Nepal is a small country, but as a traveler, you will find so many culturally and geographically different places within a small area. For example, if you travel a distance as short as from Cottbus to Berlin, you'll find an attitude difference of 
so like 8,000 meters. And just to put things into perspective, the overall altitude difference of entire Europe is 5,500 meters. And in Nepal, you'll find many places within that elevation range which are culturally and aesthetically completely different from each other. And I recommend travelers to visit as many places as you can within that range. I'm sure that you will not regret it. And yes, if you love trekking, there are the Himalayas on the north. If you love safaris and more green wilderness, there are these vast alluvial plains and hot humid subtropical forests on the south, where you can see some of the endangered animal species in their natural habitat. That is if you are lucky. Great information. I'm really looking forward to visiting you in <laughs> Nepal <laughs> to see all these places. <laughs> yeah, you are most welcome. <laughs> Shalil, uh, when you were thinking of doing a master in Germany, what was your biggest challenge for preparing to move? Overall, it wasn't that difficult, apart from having to get adapted to a completely new language in some places. But leaving your friends and family behind, uh, not knowing about how many years you might not be able to see them in person again, uh, was yeah, that was mentally difficult initially. Okay, so let's take a short break and come back in a second. Welcome back to the second part of our episode with Shalil. So we are going to talk more about life in Germany in this part. How did you and how do you like Kutbus and how is life different in the city uh, of Cottbus in comparison to your hometown back in Nepal? Um, yeah, I, I really genuinely like Cottbus. I would say that it's my kind of this perfect place to live in as a student. Of course, uh, that's just my personal opinion. But as someone who loves nature and bike rides again, Cottbus is this kind of utopia for me that I used to imagine when I was in Nepal. And this urban planning wise compared to my hometown is really, really well planned. I mean, you have this well-connected road networks and then you also have these uh, student apartments, university, supermarket, the city center. And, I mean, everything at such a close proximity within each other and that you feel that you can easily spend your student life here. However, I do think that there are certain things that this place lacks. I would say uh, it's, it's not, very lively and yeah again urban planning wise we do not have uh, basic uh, like infrastructures like public drinking water fountains and other utilities but yeah compared to the place i used to live in this city's positive aspects like outweighs its negative aspects to what extent did your lifestyle differ between nepal Cottbus, and now during corona what activities do you like to do in Cottbus right now probably go out in the nature and enjoying yes. that right <laughs> yeah yeah actually my uh, life is completely different here than what it used to be in Nepal I don't know if it's socio-cultural thing that we live with our parents and grandparents or it's due to the economic condition of the country that it's impossible for us to leave the house at a very young age and start living separately. I mean, uh, we used to go to our respective walks uh, during the day, but ultimately we used to be back under the same roof in the evening. And yeah, since moving to Cottbus, I'm either living alone or with some friends. 
so sometimes there is this feeling of emptiness and loneliness but at the same time there is this sense of responsibility responsibility to towards myself so yes these are two usually contrasting lives between Cottbus and Nepal but yeah I, I really don't think about that a lot so yeah everything's fine and regarding activities in Cottbus I just want to explore this small city more I just need my bike and my camera and I just keep riding until I reach somewhere or middle of nowhere. I mean, I really don't mind getting lost in Cottbus. And yeah, I really love to spend my time working on something or maybe just reading a book in one of those parks in Cottbus. Until what age are people in Nepal usually living with their parents? Uh, throughout their life. I mean, it's, yeah, as I uh, said earlier, it's, I don't know it's, if it's this cultural thing that we don't leave our parents. I mean, my parents will live with my grandparents till now. In the Maybe same house? Possibly, yeah, in the, in the same house. Until the, your grand... So you're actually living with your grandparents as well? Yeah. Ah, okay. Until <laughs> you get a wife and have kids. Uh, no, no, no. Like until I decide to move out. But, ah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that usually doesn't happen in Nepal. Okay. <laughs> Going to next question. As an architect, what is your favorite design or building in Cottbus? I really like this Baroque and Gothic architecture. I mean, the houses are on the outmark. Uh, those are Baroque houses. And most of the medieval churches in here in Europe are Gothic. But to pick a favorite kind of architecture, I like uh, these timber framing houses where the elevation is made up of uh, straight and inclined wooden braces that holds this mud wall in a stable position. I think it really reflects the way of life of a medieval European family, common family. But I don't know if there are many houses like that in Cottbus. Uh, yeah, one of the examples is this old well-preserved water mill, which is located alongside the spree, which is, I think it's still functioning, if you have been there. <laughs> I personally haven't been there because I haven't been to Cottbus yet, but I hope to oh, yeah. at some point. <laughs> All right. So regarding your study project, you were posting some pictures of about different seasons in Cottbus and the area. For everyone who doesn't know, Shalil and um, a fellow student of ours are doing a study project about doing insta walks and enjoying the nature around the city and you were posting some pictures about the seasons and a specific place in between the specific seasons so my question now is what is your favorite season in germany or cottbus in general and why actually i like all the seasons i mean every season has its pros and cons more pros than cons i really like winter i have to say that this the year it was like really wonderful and also unfortunately we had a proper like fortunately we had a proper snowfall and it stayed like that for weeks but to pick one season I would say spring is my favorite season I mean it's neither too hot nor too cold and you can stay outside for a long time. Shalil are you thinking of moving to Berlin for your fourth semester? Uh, no, that's that's a no. I mean, I, I don't dislike Berlin, but yeah, it's I think it's too big for me. I would love to visit Berlin on the weekends, not every weekend, but occasionally. But I'm, I'm sure that I'm not renting an apartment in Berlin, even I'm lucky enough to get one. Yeah, I quite can relate to that. 
Berlin is such a big, yeah. very chaotic, very, di very, very different. Yeah. So thank you so much for answering all our questions so far. We will take a short break and be back in few seconds. Stay tuned. everyone to the third part so Shalil how were your expectations of studying the master of world heritage studies at the BTU and what were your experiences in the end as an architect I thought it would be more technical but after attending the lectures I think it's more inclined towards management and philosophy and even the models which I taught was supposed to be about science and technology But in the end, I think it really depends on what you are able to absorb from this master's and it's completely up to you regarding how you will apply your knowledge during your professional life for both technical and policy-making fields. Regarding the master program of World Heritage Studies, do you have background knowledge about UNESCO and its regulation and any idea before studying this master? I did work on projects which were directly funded by UNESCO and UN Habitat in Nepal. So I did have a general knowledge about World Heritage Sites conservation programs initiated by UNESCO, the General Assembly, and the methods of fundraising done for a particular project. But yeah, it was, it was less compared to what I've learned from the university as well as my from my classmates. What was your favorite course and excursion before the pandemic? Uh, as a history lover, I, I definitely like history of architecture. It felt like calling everything I already knew in a more interesting manner. And the lectures felt like someone was just reciting the story about all the historically important events and places. So I, yeah, I really love that class. Excursion, yeah, last winter, the lecturers from the body of knowledge took us to Dresden to explain about its cultural landscape. Apart from that, educational tour on the same day, we also got to see the Christmas market. And yeah, we thought this was fun. After studying for two years in Germany, do you already know what will you do for your thesis topic and any interest of topic that you want to work on? Yes, it, it will be something related to the importance and methods of conservation of physical state and fabric. But as for now, I have two sites on my mind. One is from my hometown and the other one is uh, one of those uh, Neolithic sites around the Mediterranean. But yeah, depending upon the availability of information and the ease of travel, I will definitely have a concrete idea about the topic by the end of this semester. So are you planning to move back to Nepal for your for writing your master thesis then? I'm planning to like hopefully if I get a chance I will fly there for a few weeks just to collect the data and I'll be back in Germany but yeah let's see. When you will be moving back to uh, to Nepal at some point in the future do you want to be an architect again and working in architecture mainly and the construction sector or Do you want to go more into conservation and heritage? What you studied at the BTU? One thing I'm sure about is that I'm not going far from my technical architectural roots. But at the same time, 
I will try to utilize the knowledge and context that I'm able to make as a student here in Germany to restore and preserve the cultural heritage sites and traditional settlements of Kathmandu Valley. I mean, not just necessarily Kathmandu Valley, but I would aim to work in any traditional urban settlement that is in need of preservation. And I'm sure that my technical knowledge in architecture and engineering will prove to be useful for that purpose. And our last question for this section, what would you recommend first semester students in regards to the program moving to Germany and different contexts of buildings and relationship to it? Uh, regarding this program, I would say it's, it's an inclusive program which uh, comprises multiple academic disciplines like architecture, history, humanities, tourism, and management. In the beginning, you might feel that it's just theoretically touching the surface of every academic field, but it's re it really depends on you that how, you, how deep you want to go in a particular field. And yes, talking about moving to Cottbus or Germany and relationships building. I know it's, it's not pleasant to not to be able to meet people in a formal academic environment as soon as you start your formal academic journey. Unfortunately, none of us really saw that coming. I know it's even harder for your batch than our batch because uh, at least we got to spend our first semester in the class. But I would suggest you to go and meet people who are outside of your current inner circle or your home country. I know this might sound like where it comes from an introvert like me, but I can guarantee that you find people with whom you are going to have this wonderful relationship and memorable friendship throughout your lifetime. And yeah, you need to step outside your comfort zone to find new opportunities. I mean, yeah, you never know. So you also participated in the European Heritage Volunteers in 2020, right? What were your what were your tasks and where were you based? It was in Mainstockheim in Bavaria. So basically, we had to restore this uh, wooden and stone wooden house. Know, it's basically stone masonry, but the timber and braces, like you know, the uh, the typical medieval European architecture. We had to paint the wooden struts and replace some of the stones from the staircase leading to this baroque garden. It was kind of an archaeological thing and at the same time it was also more inclined towards conservation of this wooden property. Would you recommend students to participate in such programs? Yes, yes, definitely. For me it, it was a wonderful experience. I mean you get to see a different side of Germany uh, not just Germany, I mean, I think European heritage world just compromises a lot of European countries. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really good to know about different culture. And yeah, I definitely recommend students to go there. Are you planning on participating this year as well? Or are you mainly concentrating on your thesis? No, no, I'm, I'm definitely participating. I mean, for a few projects, I, mean, I, I don't think it will, it will handle my thesis. All right, great. So now we have a quite mean question for you because you didn't know about it in advance. What is your favorite World Heritage site and why? Uh, yeah, well, well, there are many sites uh, with varying cultural and natural significance. Yeah, it's confusing when you have to choose between too many good options, but the one I'm, I'm totally obsessed about 
And the site I really hope to work at some point in my life in the near future is uh, this early Neolithic site located in Anatolia, Turkey. It's called Gobeki KB, which was constructed around 10,000 BCE, I guess. And considering the time period in which this temple was constructed and the scale and massiveness of the site, it's just amazing. I mean, just imagine 10,000 BC. I mean, this structure is more ancient to the pillars of Egyptian pyramids than the pyramids are to us. I mean, yeah, I've been to many heritage sites and a uh, few seven wonders, but yeah, this place is a literal wonder. I mean, I'm still curious about how, about the an advancement of tools and technologies of that Neolithic time period. So yeah, it's, it's Gobekli TV, definitely. Sounds very exciting. I look forward to check the pictures. Uh, so, I haven't been there. I haven't no. been there either. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> but still, thanks a lot, Shelly, for taking the time and talk to us today. We really enjoyed listening to your stories and we learned a lot interesting things about your country, Nepal, and you. And we wish you all the best for the future studies and your plans. And we hope to see you soon. Yeah, thank you again for having me. And I really genuinely like the study project. Thanks also to you guys for listening to today's podcast episode. We really enjoyed our interview with Shalil. And we hope you feel the same way and did learn some new things about another member of the heritage community. As our next guest for the 18th episode of the World of Heritage podcast, we will talk to Shari Bone. She's a student of the Heritage Conservation and Site Management Master Program at the BTU, and she already studied archaeology for her bachelor's degree before coming to Cottbus. During the winter semester 2019, she had the opportunity to spend her semester abroad at the Helvan University in Cairo. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to learn more about Helvan University. And thank you guys for listening to our podcast. Uh, by the way, have you checked to listen to other episodes? If you're not, you definitely need to check and listen to, for example, Moralake, Emilia's Bistrata stories and get to know these other members a little more. For also keeping uh, up to date with our project, you can follow us on Instagram. Our name of our social media is the Word of Heritage. We would also appreciate your feedback. If you are interested in sharing your stories on our podcast, feel free to contact us. You can also find our email in the description box. And thanks again for listening and stay safe. Bye. <laughs>